God's here. The Spirit's here, and he has something good to share. So we're actually going to um, dive into the message before we enter into worship. We're flip-flopping things a little bit this morning because I'm just super excited because, after all, next week is Christmas. Is anybody excited about Christmas? Yeah, the birth of Jesus. You know, the, the greatest gift of all, aside from the Holy Spirit, but we'll talk about that another day. That's a debatable matter, right? But you wouldn't get the Holy Spirit without Jesus. He had to come first and all those things. And hey, what even got Jesus had it not been for uh, John the Baptist, right? And moving in the spirit of Elijah, preparing the way. And I just love, love, love how God just ties everything together. Nothing is accidental. He is able to work all things together for good. He is able to take even some of our biggest sins and mistakes and work them together into his story for good, for his glory. None of us have ever fallen too far for God to restore and to redeem and to put us right back on track. That's why I love the redemption story of Christmas. God himself coming to do what none of us can on our own. And, um, I don't know about you all, but we have a lot of family traditions around the Christmas season. You know, some of them get lamer for the kids as we get older, you know, but um, they're still fun for us, uh, you know. But um, now, of course, we have all these Christmas movies that we just, it's not Christmas until you see, you know, this list of shows. And uh, some of them are starting to date themselves, but it's still cool. You know, we always like to go see our light shows. We went to Lakemont the, the other day. Uh, it's 15 bucks for a car run. Pretty awesome, you know, uh, display. They, they got snow out there. They've got like six inches of snow on the ground. I couldn't believe it in Altoona. But uh, anyways, um, we have all these traditions. And so we have a family church tradition here as well. It's not Christmas season here until I share one of my favorite um, comedy clips of the Christmas season. So here you go. Christmas is kind of bittersweet for me because when I was a kid, my first time performing, I was six years old, and uh, I was performing in our Christmas pageant at church, and I had one line in one song. It was the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I messed it up. I sang, a child, a child, sleeping in the night with a tail as big as a kite. <laughs> That's not the way that song goes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> People get mad when you sing about baby Jesus with a tail. But think about that song, Do You Hear What I Hear? It's Psycho. Who wrote that? Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. <laughs> I think the shepherd boy's been in the field a little too long, don't you? <laughs> Talking to the sheep. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. We got to tell the mighty king. <laughs> Gets worse, they go to the mighty king. You know. A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? How about some soup? Child shivered in the cold. Throw some gold on him, he'll be fine. <laughs> He's got pneumonia, but he's loaded. That kid is going to be some. <laughs> so, I love you. got to check that guy out. It is awesome. <laughs> but Christmas, it is a season of hope. 
It's a season of rejoicing. It's a season of peace. You know, all these things that the Christmas carols uh, declare, it's a season where we're more aware and a lot more intentional about serving the needs around us, you know, being more aware of, of what each other needs and ways to serve uh, those needs, and also just being intentional about showing our loved ones just how much we care. You know, that's why the shopping season is so huge. It's, it's, a, it's a very popular love language. You know, we want to get just that right gift so when they open it, they're filled with joy, you know, and and again, it all ties back to different ways that we can express the salvation, the coming of Jesus, you know, as he became one of the greatest gifts ever. It's a season where there's also a heightened expectation of the miraculous to occur, right? The miraculous to occur. Um, if, if you don't, if you don't uh, follow these, maybe watch the Hallmark Channel. They started their Christmas movies back in like July. Anybody? I, I was going to say, I know somebody's got out here. Every plot is exactly the same. You got the jerk overworked guy and, you know, the, the fun guy and she falls in love and whatever. I don't know. I don't get it, but Becky loves stuff like that. So, anyways, but it's a, it's a season where you, you expect a Christmas miracle, right? You know, where there's a heightened expectation for those things to take place. And, of course, um, we know that in the backdrop of all of this, the miraculous birth of Jesus came in a very dark time, very gloomy time uh, for mankind, a time when most people were a bit hopeless. Um, we, we call this period the intertestamental period, you know, about 400 years, and it's literally the time between like the Old Testament and New Testament. You know, you, you finish Malachi, and then it's like crickets for a long time, where it seems like God is silent, where it seems like God isn't moving. You don't find any recordings of uh, prophecies going forth. Um, and if you look outside of the Bible at what is happening in the world during that time, it is a brutal time. You know, men are, ri men are rising up, and they are just determined to conquer the world. So you've got, like, the spread of the Roman Empire, um, and they don't, just, um, they don't just take, you know, territory, but they also, um, you know, want to, to get you to embrace their culture. So it's really an overtaking of everything, and you kind of see that there's always this dynamic happening. God is never silent, and God is always at work. He's always up to something. You know, that there was this, the stage was sort of being set for just the right time for God to come on the scene and to work a miracle. Life for God's people was getting especially challenging because as the Roman Empire was growing, as Herod took over, you know, their territory, there was a pressure of them to abandon their faith to abandon their identity in God and to begin to embrace the world culture around them. You know, because they were a sovereign, self-governing people. And of course, we know that's no different in world history today. You know, the, the, the culture around Israel does not want Israel to be a sovereign nation. They want to snuff it out and destroy it. You know, it's constantly um, been on the attack. Um, but they, they were being pressured to abandon that and to... Uh, no longer obey the Lord, but rather to surrender that and to obey the Roman government over them. Um, and they were trying to figure out, you know, how to, to, to work with that, to still obey the authority over them, but to obey the Lord above all. And it was just a, a tough dynamic. And we see that always happening in the world, even in our nation some, at times, uh, it's, you know, at threat. And then we find that about 700 years before all this took place, 
God gave prophetic insight through Isaiah that speaks to not only the world that Isaiah was living in, but as prophecy often does, it also spoke very clearly to the world that Jesus was born into, the time in human history, and it just as much speaks to our world today, right where we're at, right where we're living. That's what I love about the Word of God. It was written thousands of years ago, and it still applies today because it is the living Word of God, because the author is right here among us, right within you, if you've accepted the salvation of Jesus. He's still speaking new life into it and through it. Uh, within the book of Isaiah, we find this back and forth. We read through it in Bible study you know, over the, the summer. Uh, or actually, I think it was spring, but anyways. And there's this back and forth where God is talking about his, his coming judgment on his people. And then at the same time, it's his coming salvation for his people. And yet he was using the, the enemies, the nations around them, as a tool of his wrath to, to destroy them. And yet he was also saying that he's going to destroy those enemies around them in those nations. And he was going to give them peace. And, and at times it's just like, okay, like, you know, it, it almost seems that, that um, you know, it, it couldn't be the same God that's speaking both. And it's a hard, you have a hard time reconciling it at times um, and understanding it. And, and of course, what we begin to see in this paradox is how God clearly revealed his heart and his will and his desire for his people and for us. He desires to be a shelter and a protection. He desires to be a protector and a provider. But it is our choice, it is our will to either come under his covering and his protection through obedience or whether to reject it through disobedience and just keep doing what we wanted to do the way we want to do it. God wanted to protect his people, but they kept choosing to run out from under it. And so God just let that take place. And with the exception of a small remnant of his people, most of God's people in that time chose to disobey and continue living the way that they wanted to and following the way of the world, and it just didn't end very well for them. In fact, whenever things started to go pretty badly, they started wondering what was happening. What's going on here? Like, you know, is, is, is God really God? Does he really exist? Does he really care about us? Why is he letting all this stuff happen to us? And in fact, when that started happening, people were seeking out answers from pretty much anyone and everywhere, as we're going to read in a little bit, except for the Lord. They didn't turn to him to ask what was going on. And so, of course, conspiracies and all these false prophecies were just running rampant. You know, you hear about fake news, at least you heard about it a few years ago, you know, and you, you still read a lot of stuff today, um, you know, of, of what's going on. All kinds of conspiracies and, and false news and, and things that were just running rampant. But this prophetic word that we find in the middle of this that speaks to this Christmas season, even though it's written a few thousand years ago, it still rings true today. It rang true for Isaiah's time, and it rings true for the world where Christ was born. So Isaiah chapter 8, and if you want to turn with me, we're going to be reading through this together. And so Isaiah is inspired by the spirits, and, and he said, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. And this is what the Lord said in verse 12. It's in quotes. It said, God said, do not call conspiracy everything that this people calls a conspiracy. Anybody hear about any conspiracies that got shut down by Twitter and turned out to actually be true? Anybody hear about anything that lately? Yeah. Okay, anyway, some of us watch the news, but yeah, guess what? That wasn't a conspiracy. That was truth. It really was happening. 
but also this. So don't call it conspiracy. Everything is people calls a conspiracy. And don't fear what they fear. Don't dread it. The Lord Almighty, he's the one that you're to regard as holy. He is the one that you are to fear. He is the one that you are to dread. He will be a holy place. Another word for that is a sanctuary, you know. And, and again, the, the fear of the Lord, I mean, do a whole series on that, but it's really about just following him, following his ways, being a, you know, my, my children, they don't fear me because I'm angry and fierce or anything. They fear going outside of my will. Sometimes it's just because they don't want to disappoint me, but sometimes it's because in their heart, they know that what they're going to do outside of my will it's not really good for them. They know it's not going to end well, but it'll be fun for a little bit, right? You know, we'll have a good time for a little bit. And so you understand that. It, it's, it's a fear out of love. It, it's, 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 it's an interesting paradox. And until you experience it, it's hard to understand and to grasp. But then he goes on, he says that he'll be a holy place for both Israel and Judah, who are God's chosen people at that time. He says, he will be a stone that causes people to, am I ahead of myself here? Sorry. Yep. He'll be a stone that causes people to stumble. He'll be a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he'll be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall. They will be broken. They will be snared. They will be captured. And when I first read through the scripture, it just gets really confusing because it's like, God, that's not who I know you to be. You're not a snare to me. You don't destroy me. You don't harm me or hurt me. I mean, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? His plans would give me a hope in a future. So why would you be this, this trap, snare, that'll break me? I thought you wanted to be my healer. And it just gets really confusing. And then the picture that God gave me when I'm praying about this, and I'm like, how in the world do I explain this? Because I can't say I understand it. God gave me this picture of a stepping stone, right? And so a stepping stone can serve two purposes to the one who sees it, and to one who stands firmly upon it, it provides strength, a firm place to stand up above the dangers below, everything that's looking to destroy you. It's a safe place away from danger, and it's a safe place to continue forward on life's journey, right? But to the one who doesn't see it, or to the one who just kind of hesitantly steps on it because you're not sure if you can trust it or not, it causes to be a, 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 a tripping stone, right? It causes them to stumble. It causes them to fall. It can cause you to have broken bones or even worse, even worse. Now that same stone, that same rock that can either be a, a safe place of refuge or a dangerous snare, it doesn't change, does it? It's all up to the person and how they choose to either stand on it or refuse it or untrust it, distrust it. So that's sort of the picture that God gave me of what the scripture in Isaiah means. Does that kind of make sense? I know, I like worship first. It kind of gets you woke up, right? <laughs> Anyways, but that is exactly, exactly how Jesus is to us today. He is unchanging. To some of us, he's a firm foundation. Yeah, that we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. No matter what happens around us, we don't have to fear. But to some who are kind of one foot in the world, one foot on the rock, it's not a very stable place. You're going to fall eventually. 
And to those that want nothing to do with it, well, Jesus said you build your house on one or the other, right? Rock or sinking sand. So that's how Jesus still is today because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever unchanging. The only thing in this world that does not change moment by moment. And then Isaiah continues on here in verse um, 16. And so that was the end of the quote of the Lord. Then he said, to bind up this testimony of warning, to seal up God's instruction among his disciples. And then Isaiah makes this declaration in light of this word of the Lord. He said, I will put my trust in him. He said, here I am. And the children that the Lord has given to me, we are signs and symbols in Israel for the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. So this morning the question is, will, who will we choose to be? Will we choose to be a people that stands firm on the rock of Jesus, firm on his salvation? Will he be our firm foundation? And will we be a sign to others to, to point people to him. When darkness seems to surround us, when uncertainty rises and fear falls, as is happening in the world today, who will we run to? What will we run to? Who will Jesus be in that season? Who will we trust? Whose voice are we going to listen to? It's good to be aware of what's happening around you. I follow the news just to hear what's going on, but... We don't walk in accordance to what's happening in the world. We walk by faith in the word of God. We walk by trust in who Jesus is. That's how we can be unmoved and unshaken. That's how we can be a light into the darkness, right? But what do people listen to, generally speaking? You know, In verse 19, this is who Isaiah's people were, um, were listening to. He says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists, those people who whisper and mutter. And it's just as popular in the world today. I remember whenever I was growing up back in the 90s, you had that, um, oh, what was her name? She's this big colored woman that, that would tell you your, your fortune. Uh, who is it? Leo. Theo. Theo, I don't know. Anyways, you know who I'm talking about, yeah. And then, but I'm starting to see those commercials again in the world. And there's these, you know, there used to be Tupperware parties. I don't know what's popular today. LuLaRue, I don't know. There's, you know, you ladies got your essential oils or whatever you do but you know now there's these 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 you know they'll have a um a spiritist come in and, and do readings and tell you your future and, and recommend how to follow you know why do we consult all of these things in fact isaiah says why not just inquire of god he said why consult the dead on behalf of the living that's another popular thing you know listening to the dead spirits you know i can talk to your your, your mother beyond the grave and this is what she said you should do you know why do those things why in verse 20, Isaiah says, consult God's instruction. Consult the testimony that he gives of warning. That's why the book of Isaiah seems so grim at times. It's not a promise, it's a warning. The book of Isaiah, when it's doomy and gloomy and God said this judgment is coming, that was not what God wanted. God wanted to warn his people so that they would not have to experience any of it. Did they listen? No, <laughs> of course not. Why are we so stubborn, right? In fact, Isaiah goes on, he says, if anyone doesn't speak according to the word of God, they have no light of dawn in them. In fact, they're distressed. They're hungry. They roam around throughout the land. They're, they're famished. 
Then they become enraged. And when they become enraged, they look upward. And then finally, they curse these two things. And I'm sorry, but in Christianity, there's a lot of people that are like this. They curse their king, their government, first of all. And then eventually, you're going to curse God. Because there is no authority that is established except that which God has. Sometimes he just gives us what we're asking for. We want a king, right? Remember Israel? With, with <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, the people speak and they get what they want, but it is not the will of God, you know? Then he says here in verse 22, they'll look toward the earth and all that they see is distress, darkness, and fearful gloom everywhere. And it thrusts them into utter darkness. I mean, Isaiah 8 reads just as accurately to the world today as it did 2,000 years ago, as it did, well, yeah, I keep saying that, but, you know, yeah, as it did in, in the time of Jesus being born, as it does today. This is a wise warning for us to heed, though. When fear begins to rise up, when conspiracies and all this conflict is spreading, we should stop and consider their sources. Because I don't know about you all, but when I watch the news, man, my heart starts beating. I'm like, what is happening? What's wrong with people today, you know? Ugh, start getting all upset. But that can't be our focus. When that starts to happen, we should stop. We should turn our focus and our attention back to the Lord. Seek and inquire of him. Okay, God, I see what's happening in the world, and I know, I know it's not good. Because none of this is, is in accordance with your word, and so I know it's not good. So what are you up to? What do you want me to do in response to this? What is the new thing that you're doing here? I mean, it's getting pretty dark and gloomy out there, but in you, there's no shadow. <laughs> you are the light. So how can I be your light in this darkness? It's the Lord alone that we should desire to cooperate with. It's his good news that we should be spreading. And I've got to always watch my mouth because we're supposed to speak only what's encouraging to build other people up and then it would benefit people who listen, right? I, I memorized that from somewhere. I think it's Ephesians 8 something. I'm bad with book chapter verse. I'm sorry. I know it's in Ephesians, so you'll have to... Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It feels kind of dark and gloomy in here this morning. But anyways, even when things were at their darkest, even when things get dark and gloomy around you, you start to want, lose sight of what is even happening. God is always calling us back to him. He is always calling us back to his incredible promises of salvation, of deliverance, of redemption, of salvation. God is always calling us back to turn to him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, the, the, the prophecies of God, they continue to say exactly this. Isaiah said, okay, things are getting really bad, really rough. Your destruction is coming if you don't get your act straight. But with all this doom and gloom happening and people listening to spiritists, and nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress, right? This is when God's people rise up. And we start to speak into that darkness. We start to prophesy to those dead bones. And life starts to happen, right? He said in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and in the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. In fact, the people walking in darkness, they have seen a great light. 
on those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, I keep getting behind myself, for in the day as Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. Anybody have any burdens this morning? Most of us walked in here with some burdens. The Lord was to shatter those burdens. Shatter them. No, I don't have anything to shatter this morning. But, <laughs> Becky's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But if you got something heavy and weighing you down, and then it gets shattered, it doesn't weigh, you can try to pick up and put it back on you, but it doesn't weigh you down anymore. It lost its power. It lost its grip. It lost its authority, right? Demolished, destroyed. In fact, it says that the bar that was across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor has been shattered. Every warrior's boot that was used in battle, every garment rolled in blood has been destined for burning. There'll be fuel for the fire. Not about y'all, but I burnt quite a few fires in my day. When you go back and you look at, at what is burned, it looks nothing like it did before, nor could it ever be restored to what it was, right? All those things gone, forgotten about. Ashes. And what do ashes do? They're like fertilizer for new life to come forth, right? For something new to be birthed. In fact, he goes on and he says, for unto us, and we all know this scripture, for unto us a child is born. I'm still in King James. I can't break from it. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from that time on forever. And it is the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish it. God is a zealous God. His heart burns with a passion for you. He wants you to reach your full potential. He wants to gift you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to break you free of anything that tries to weigh you down or snare you up. Because we are now living in the days of that future that Isaiah prophesied about. We're living in those days. Yes, we're living in days of ever darkening and gloomness. I mean, it's happening in the world. But that is just an opportunity for us to shine bright. We are that dawn that has broken forth, right? We are that people. We represent God to the world around us. So there's no need for doom or gloom, no need for darkness, because that great light has come. The light of the world has pierced through the darkness, and no light, no darkness can ever overcome it again. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know, if you go home at night and you um, light a lighter and then take your, because, I mean, you know, you can't spot right now. Well, yeah, you can now. Take your spotlight and shine your spotlight on it. And you'll see there's a shadow of your hand and of the lighter, but that flame doesn't cast a shadow. There's no darkness in light. There's no darkness that can overcome the light of Christ. There's no darkness or gloominess 
that can ever snuff out the spirit within you. The spirit within you. That is the, the spirit of Christmas, right? We're living in the days of rejoicing, the days of the harvest, the days of collecting the spoils of war, the days, the last time I read Proverbs, you're going to receive sevenfold anything the enemy has stolen from you, right? He has to repay it. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the living, the living stone, a firm foundation. He's either a stepping stone of safety for us, or he's a stumbling block of harm, depending on who we choose, how we choose to view him, who we choose to proclaim, not just with our words, but with our actions, who Jesus is. In fact, I love this word in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And uh, he says this, he says, As you come to him, the living stone, capitalized, Jesus, he was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and very precious to him. You also, you are living stones. You are being built up into a spiritual house. You are a holy priesthood. You offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And that's a powerful statement if you read through the old covenant and all the sacrifices and offerings that need to be made. Now in the new covenant, we don't have to go to some stone temple. You are the temple of God. You house the Holy Spirit. Your flesh is the Holy of Holies. We learned about that a few weeks ago. It's powerful revelation. Then he goes on and he starts quoting all these prophetic words of Isaiah. He quotes and he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him, he will never be put to shame. If you put your trust in Christ, you will never be put to shame. You may go through a season of shame, but it's not going to end in shame, right? Trust in him. He will work things out. Let him fight your battles for you. In fact, he goes on in verse 7, he says, Now to those who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the same stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes people to fall. They stumble. Why? Because they disobey the message. And that becomes their destiny. We choose our destiny. We choose our destiny based on who Jesus is to us. Not one time at the altar, but every day and in every decision. Am I going to trust in the Lord and what he says? Am I going to do what he's calling me to do even if it doesn't make any sense at all? Am I going to walk in obedience? But I love what Peter goes on to write in verse 9 about us who choose to obey the Lord. Us who choose not to listen to conspiracies and not to follow the way of the world, but to trust in the Lord. He says in verse 9, But you, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. So you've got dual citizenship. You're not just citizens of the U.S. today. You are also citizens of heaven if you put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ. You are God's special possession so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you weren't a people, 
I didn't know half of you before New Hope, right? May have never even met some of you. Terry, I don't, I don't know. Maybe God's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but no, once we weren't a people, but now we're a people. Now we're family, right? We're brothers and sisters. We've been adopted into the family of God. Now you're the people of God, right? GP, God's people. Once you had not received God's mercy. There was a day when we were all walking under the wrath of God, right? The judgment of God. But now we have received mercy. That's who we are. We are a chosen people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We intercede for people. We stand in the gap. We pray for the lost. We pray for our family and friends. We pray for our community, our nation, our world. We pray, we intercede. We, we declare the truth of God. We prophesy what the Lord has declared and what he is saying here and now today. That is the people that we are. We are God's special possession. We, we consider Jesus one of the greatest gifts of all time. But Jesus thinks that you are the greatest gift of all time. That you were worth giving up everything for just so he could be with you. Just so he could save you. Just so he could spend eternity with you. You are precious and loved. And Jesus held nothing back from you. And so this Christmas season, we have a job to do. We have a role to play. As Peter said, we are to declare the praises of God. All that we are is a work of God's mercy and grace. And all that we can do is declare his praises. And what he's done for us, he'll do for you. And the things that he has promised to do, he'll do for us and for you, right? He is faithful at keeping his word. We have good news to proclaim to those still living in darkness. Some people, the only news that they hear is bad news. And all that they ever expect to hear is bad news. You have a living hope within you. You have some good news to share. You are also now the light of the world as you, as you bring forth the word of God into their situation. We're just like the shepherds on that Christmas day, right? The, the angel appeared to them. He told them the word that they were bringing good news that would cause great joy for all the people. And all that they did was trust God's word. In fact, they didn't just take God's word for his word. You can put God's word to the test. Did you know that? God's word is accurate, real history. Jesus Christ was a real person. This is not just some fairy tale story that we made up, you know? He's real, he's, and he's alive today still. His resurrection is a historic documented event. It happened. And that's where we put our hope and our trust. But the angels, they, or the angels, the shepherds, they heard this good news. They rushed off to see it. And they're like, it's exactly as God said that it was. His word is true. And guess what else they did? They went out and they told everybody about it. And everybody was wondering. God chose shepherds. Not the prophets. Not the Sadducees, elders, teachers of the law, Sadducees. Not the priests. God chose shepherds. I love in the book of Acts chapter 3, what the religious people putting, who was it, John and, uh, I can't remember the other guy, but anyways, the disciples, they put them on trial and they're like, these are untrained, unschooled, ordinary people. But they just healed this man who's been crippled from birth and we all know him. 
The only thing about them is they've been with Jesus, right? That's all people have to see in you. Let them see who you were before and after Christ. Let that be your testimony. Don't be ashamed of your past. Don't, don't be ashamed of the person you used to be. Let that be the light, that transformation from darkness into light as we declare the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. The Lord has come and he is still alive, still working, still moving in our behalf today, right? He is our great light. He is our great news. And man, he is our great joy, amen? Amen, if I got the worship team come forward, let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we've tasted and seen that you are good. But we believe firmly that there's even greater things yet to come. Yeah. And so, Lord, we're looking forward to this hope-filled future. No matter how dark may, things may look around us, no matter how gloomy the world may look, Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. And Jesus, help us to be a people that boldly speaks into the darkness of the world around us, that speaks boldly into the lives of those around us, your truth, your word. Lord, let your word come to pass in our lives and through our lives this Christmas season so that everyone can see and know that you're good. And Lord, we thank you for the joy, the joy that you have brought this morning in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Here at New Hope, there is freedom. Worship how the Lord leads you. The altars are open. There's lots of leftover gifts from last week. Do not leave empty-handed. Grab another one. Grab one for a friend. We want them all gone this morning. A little chocolate, a little ornament, a little peanut butter. Oh, yeah. And if you didn't get one, make sure you get one. Yeah. But whatever, however you worship this morning, let his joy break, demolish, smash. All the discouragement that you walked in with, all the burdens you walked in with, those rods that were weighing you down and tripping you up, shake them off this morning, amen? Yeah.